some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, here it is, episode four of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. Let me remind you right out the gate. Uh, to rate, review, subscribe, check us out. Twice a week, you'll be getting an episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball, guys. A little bit of a tough week, my man, for the Giants. Homestand ends up going two and three, and uh, kind of a surprising, I guess, struggle against the Washington Nationals. Not a good team. They get their revenge from last week, uh, but I guess almost in a way understandable. I mean, what the team went through this week with uh, with all the COVID positives, Add in the injuries. I mean, we we were getting it. We were getting to know new players that were traded in and called up on a daily basis throughout the weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that, uh, Mark. I, I just look at what ended up happening this weekend. I mean, the Nats just whacked the ball all around the park. I mean, they even touched up Logan Webb a little bit on okay. Saturday, which was the lone game that the Giants won. And so I think for me, the big thing was today, and I know it's his first time back off the the injured list, but like Alex Cobb not looking good, can't even get out of that first inning. It just it felt like he was struggling and a couple of hard hit balls, a couple of unfortunate kind of balls that that land in no man's land. And he gets yanked early, and it's like, ah, oh, this is the last thing that this team needs right now. So I, I'm I'm a little worried about where they're at, but I do feel like this is just a tough stretch that's kind of out of their control, given how many guys weren't available. Well, I, I, yeah, it's it's crazy. So I mean, it, it, a it gets hard to sort of judge them when they're going through something, yes, uh, like they are. Um, that's part of it. The other side to it is uh, take a step back and just look at the month of April as a whole. And uh, you know that, uh, you know, I'm not a not a huge stat guy, but sometimes there are those that just reach out and grab you and check this out. April of 2022 comes to an end and it is their eighth straight month of playing 600 baseball or better. April 22 was 667. They went 14 and seven. And that is their eighth straight month. Uh, by the way, I'm throwing October in there where they went two and one, but their eighth straight month of uh, of playing baseball at a 600 clip or better. Their very worst month was July of last mm. year where they played 600 ball. The consistency when they go through things like what we just described, uh, whether it's injuries, COVID stuff, mm-hmm. the consistency has been unbelievable. No, it has. And again, because of a Farhan team, a Kapler team, you have some kind of random guys at the top of the statistics leaders at the end of the month. I mean, if you had Tyro Estrada leading this team in RBIs, raise your hand, because yeah. I certainly didn't, you know, and, and if you had Wilmer Flores leading the team in batting average after a month, raise your hand. Now, I, I, I didn't have that because he's the one who qualifies for at-bats. Jock hasn't had an opportunity to do such. So, look, all in all, you take a deep breath and you realize, hey, we got the Dodgers here coming up. We're in a pretty good spot right now because actually a lot of things have gone wrong. And then you look up and, and they still got one of the best records in the National League. Let me ask you this, though. Um, here, here's something that, that is weird because you look at their record, 14 and eight. Uh, that's right where they were after 22 mm-hmm. games last year. So all systems go there. But you mentioned a couple names that are leading this, that, the other statistically. <laughs> G- give me the guy, the list of guys <laughs> who you're like, okay, that guy looks great. 
That guy's playing really, really great over the first 22 games. Give me the list because it's not very long. It starts with Carlos Rodon. Uh, Rodon. I think I'd, I'd throw Tyler Rogers in there for the most part. Um, and maybe Alvarez and Garcia. I mean, we're talking some of the bullpen arms. I, I think Logan Webb, although he's very hard on himself, I think he's been pretty good over the first month of the season. I would file him under really good. Dare I say Wilmer Flores having kind of a, another good start to the year? I don't even know if that categorizes it, but like that's kind of you know indicative of where they're at right now. Mark, it's it's not a lot of guys. No, it, it, it's not. I mean, we 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 guess uh, I guess can throw in Jock Peterson. Good call. Even good though, call. yeah, right. I mean, it feels. I mean, of course we can, but it feels a little bit muted because uh, now he's suddenly injured, and and I know that you know w- when they were making their rally. In, uh, in game three of this series, um, Jock Peterson grabbed a bat mm-hmm. over there in the dugout, and it looked like, oh, wait a minute, you know, is this team going to throw him out there, Kirk Gibson style, see if he can put one in the bay and tie this game after being down 8 nothing? Tying run came to the plate at one point, but the, uh, the right moment never came up. Mike Ford comes up, rips one to left. We're like, mm-hmm. who's Mike Ford? Just acquired him the day before. Um, so, you know, that – I took from that, even though Jock never made it in there, I took from that, that's good. They're not terribly worried about him from a health standpoint, and he can be ready to go here sometime very, very soon. So he's on that list as well. But it's a, it's classically the, the thing about the Giants we've talked so much about the last couple of years, um, which, you know, to borrow the phrase from the Warriors, I guess it's kind of like strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. Like their output in the standings, is just always going to be better than their output on the stat sheet. Yes. You know, no, like they're just, these guys are not going to jump off the page. You there, you don't want them on your fantasy team, um, but collectively they're in the right spot at the right time. Most of the time. I mean, we're talking incremental gains here, Mark incremental gains, but like, a better weekend for Darren Ruff. A better weekend yes. for Joey Bart. Like, I'm looking for incremental gains at this point. Luis Gonzalez makes a couple plays in the field, makes a couple of really nice at-bats in clutch situations. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with this team. Here's the guy I'm I'm just a little I'm a little worried about this week. It was last week it was Darren Ruff. Right now it's Brandon Crawford. You know, the bat has been dipping. It looks a little slow. He looks like he needs a day off already. It'll, I think this Monday off for him will be very good as he gets recharged. It's just the last seven games has not been good for him. And I just want to see him bust out. But I think that's more a byproduct of little protection in the lineup and him being miscast as a middle-of-the-order guy when that's just not what he is. Well, I mean, I watching, uh, watching Crawford hit over the weekend, and they're starting to do to him the same thing. Uh, that they've done to Yaz over the last couple of years, which that catcher is just putting that glove right there at the top of the strike zone and saying, if you can pepper fastballs Mm. right here, this guy's not going to be able to get on top of it. Brandon last year was able to. He was able to get on top of it a number of times um, and and obviously was swinging a hot bat for the majority of the year. But um, right now, there's a few guys that, that, that fit that category. They have a little bit of a hole. And, uh, and, and, you know, they're those, these are big league pitchers, even on the nationals, they're going to find those holes if, uh, if, if that's what you're offering. And so that's a fair call out by you. Uh, if, if you will, as far as, uh, guys that right now just don't, they don't look that imposing when they're at the plate. Same with rough. It's just, it's not that when you're watching them hit, it just doesn't feel Mm -hmm. the same way. Big situations last year. 
he's at the plate and you're thinking something good's about to happen. And it just doesn't feel that way really for almost any of the hitters uh, so far this year, especially with belt who has at times felt that way, but now with him on the COVID list as well. Don't you, I hold out hope that Crawford can go on one of his one month hot streaks. He's shown that over the last couple of years where he will go 320, 340 for an entire month. Like he's done that. It's a, that's, that's not the unicorn outlier. He's done that a couple of times. So I'm holding out hope that he can have one of his two, three week hot stretches where he's just dialed in. Boy, they could use it right now. I mean, no, this no, team needs no a doubt. shot in the arm. Well, they do. And by the way, like the manager of the year last year, you, you win that award, not even by being the best team. You win that award by being X amount better than what we thought you were going to be. That's how you win coach or manager of the year mm -hmm. in professional sports. It's not about being the best. It's about being way better than we thought you were going to be. Well, now, and we talked about this, this team comes in with a brand new set of expectations, and that goes for Gabe Kapler as well. You, you know, you now have that feeling when you walk on the field, you're the smartest guy in the ballpark. And, uh, and man, they need it now. Like yeah. wh whatever it is that Gabe Kapler and his staff do and what they do well, uh, they need to really turn that all the way up right now. And maybe it's not fair. Again, uh, Jason Krizan and, and uh, Mike Ford. And I mean, they're just <laughs> grabbing people from wherever they can and hucking them into the lineup right away. So it's not fair. But last year's characteristic was no matter who's hurt, this team's play did not fall off well they're getting a chance to to uh to prove that again right away this year the guy that i'm looking to come back like right away and and be hot early and it's so unfair can Evan Longoria get into this lineup and give this team a little right-handed pop? I mean, just a little. I mean, can you just walk into one? I mean, that that would be so desperately. You know, he took ground balls today. A lot of optimism about his return eventually. Maybe I'm a little premature with that, but my goodness, they could use him. Well, not only that, but there is someone uh, that I think legitimately we can be excited about because what we've watched with the, the, the COVID issues, um, I mean, this team has been facing – this total run of right-handed pitching and what do they not have right now they have like none of their left-handed hitters no, they're all hurt or jock, on the COVID jock, list right jock goes down and 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 belt goes down they haven't had listella the whole mm -hmm. time and who's been crushing it in the rehab stint and that's lamont wade he went down to sacramento mm. up to sacramento i should say but he was down because i think they were playing in albuquerque or somewhere down south and uh, first two at bats, it went double and home run. And so I think you have to feel really good. And we'll get to the roster crunch here uh, in just a little bit. But I do think you have to feel really good that someone who came in, surprised the heck out of us last year, won the Willie Mack Award, and then got hurt right before they were about to break spring training. Uh, maybe he actually can really come in, hit the ground running, and give the Giants the left-handed pop that they absolutely desperately need right now. He's another guy that just elongates the lineup and, and sees a lot of pitches and isn't afraid to swing with two strikes. So they need him. I mean, and they need a guy who's clutch with runners in scoring position. I mean, that's another thing. One big area, you're talking about the staff, they've just got to get better. If there's one major flaw for me, and I know this is nitpicking here, if there's one major flaw for the staff of Kapler, the base running. The base running has been horrific, whether it's self-awareness of, of knowing how quick a player is for himself or whether that's the third base coach waving somebody home like a Little League game and getting thrown out by 50 feet. 
it, it is a little maddening when you only have so many opportunities. I get wanting to be aggressive. Believe me, I understand it. This team just does not have the athletes to go second to home, first to third, nine times out of ten. They just can't do it. And uh, too many times I see them run into to silly base uh, running mistakes and outs on the base pass. They can ill afford to do that right now. Well, and I mean, Dubon is the one who's worn that now for a couple of years yeah. with his base running issues. It's always been a team uh, that, that I, no, I shouldn't say always, but I mean, this particular group for, for a while now is a little short on athleticism. We get yes. that. It's one of the oldest teams in baseball. I think through time, you know, you get someone like Wade back. Does Ramos have more trips up to the Bay this year? You're going to get a little bit more. Yaz is a pretty athletic guy. You'll get more athletic as they go, but your point is well taken. My biggest concern right now is still in that starting rotation, which felt so good. It's just too, it's too a banged up right now. And then B uh, just, you get a, you get a rough start by Alex Wood, a wobbly, even though victory start by Logan Webb, Alex Cobb's return does not look like you want it to. You still have no idea what's going on with Di Sclafani. The reinforcements, Matthew Boyd, Carlos Martinez are not ready you quickly fall into, I mean, yeah, Rodon looks great, but what else can you count on? The yeah. only good thing that comes out of Cobb throwing on Sunday is that at least he took the start, which therefore <laughs> that allows Rodon to go in game one of the Dodgers series. Uh, that's not saying a whole lot, but, at le- you know, he went no, out there right. and he threw. At le- I mean, at least he was able to make it off the IL to make the start because it holds Rodon for Tuesday night. In Los Angeles. I mean, you're already starting to see Farhan be very active on on just the everyday roster. I just I gotta believe that they're gonna turn over some of their last cards, whether it be a guy that you referenced before the show started, Tyler Beatty, whether it be one of these other Junis maybe gets a spot start or a couple of innings early on. Maybe Brebia, maybe Brebia starts a game for two innings. I don't know. They they're gonna have to band-aid this bad boy, but why not make make a move for somebody right now? Like I think that that is something that they might have to explore, whether it's trading one of their fourth outfielders or something. Like they need a shot in the arm in this rotation. I don't know when Di Scafani's coming back. No, no, we don't know that yet either. One other thing on this national series, and uh, you knew we would have to bring it up, and it's kind of like how Krook always says. Um, you know, uh, you, you make an error in the field and the ball finds you again oh, right away. And, and and the blowouts found the Washington Nationals because mm. the chirp, 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 chirp all last weekend, get all hot and bothered because the Giants were trying up seven to one. And, and wouldn't you know it, uh, you, you get an eight nothing game at one point on Sunday. You get a game that gets out of hand on Friday. I, I threw it up on Twitter right away. I'm like, hey, the Nationals are supposed to stop trying now, right? <laughs> and 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 they've got, you know, they bunted for hits. Mm-hmm. Were they were they were they sending a message with that? I don't know. But I really want to point this out because so many people said, boy, how are the Giants going to react when the shoe's on the other foot? They're going to do exactly what we said they're going to do, which is nothing, yeah, nothing. And and uh, so never fun to be down. Um, you know, whatever it was, 13 to four, it got mm-hmm. to be on Friday mm-hmm. night. Never fun to be down, but gosh, thank you giants for making absolutely nothing out of that. And I, you know, I thought that the, the nationals ended up looking even more, you know, ridiculous and immature uh, when the shoe was on the other foot. 
I, I love that the Giants didn't show any emotion. They just kept playing. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they barely even referenced it in the post game. They were like, yeah, like, who cares? Like, it's what we expect them to do, you know? And so it did feel a little personal between the Nats and the Giants. And i got to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. So I, sure. I'm, I'm loving it. Here's what I will say, though. I read a very interesting article about bunting this year for the San Francisco Giants. It has been a team-wide philosophy to bunt more in general, whether the score is – a blowout or a regular game, they are going to try to put the ball in play against the shift. And so people are just going to have to get used to it. If you're going to shift like crazy, even whether you're up eight, nothing down, eight, nothing. Well, the giants are ready to, you know, bunt it down. No doubt about it. You've seen it and they've had some success with it. Um, with Joe Shasky, Mark Willard, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you are subscribed to the garlic fries and baseball guys podcast. All right, let's get into the roster crunch, which we know is coming. Let me throw a bunch of names at you. Okay. Uh, this is what's on the way back in theory mm -hmm. just within the next week or two. And also, we know that the roster, uh, now that the calendar is flipped to May, the roster's got to go from 28 to 26. Uh, they've already sent out Marte. They've already sent out Jason Krizan. So they're down to 26. But just within the next couple of weeks, in theory – Brandon Belt, mm. Lamont Wade, Mike Yastrzemski, Tommy LaStella, Evan Longoria, Zach Littell, mm. Dominic Leone, all return. Wow. That is a total of seven players, which means seven players who are on the current roster are on the way out. Now, a few of them are obvious. Yeah. Mike Ford is not going to be around for long. Mm. Uh, Lovera. You know, yeah. there are players who have been thrown onto this roster just to get through the I, week, and, and and so it's easy to send them out. But there are going to be a couple of very interesting decisions coming up. There are a few guys who, you know, I, I'm looking at, and I'm wondering where the spot is. Let me start with it yeah, right away. let's hear it. Okay, let's have a conversation about Tyler Beatty, who's got no options left. What do the Giants do? I think you have to try him one last time, don't you? Like with the whole Alex Cobb, Di Sclafani situation, I think he deserves one last opportunity. Like that, let's just see it. Let's see him start a game and either sink or swim. Like I, that's where I'm at with him. I mean, former first round pick, I don't care about that anymore. I'm more worried like, hey, the guy had a, a the velo uptick during spring training. Looked like he was good to go. They were talking about him. He, he, he made it outright. I wanted to see him get an opportunity. I'd like one last opportunity before I discard him. What about you? Well, I'd love to see it, but I'm also noticing – that the Giants have not put him in a game all year long that's close. At all. They, re they refuse to do it, and I think it's kind of difficult when you're you're clearly showing the guy that you don't have confidence in him. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure there's a reason for them feeling that way. And then even when we've seen him come in, you sort of get it. He's either struggling with the strike zone or when he's not struggling with the strike zone, He's getting hit a little bit. I know there have been moments that have looked okay, but again, it's all low leverage situations. Mm -hmm. They have not, this guy's not been in a high leverage baseball situation in a long time. I'm with you, but I think it's split the difference. You almost have to put him out there in an opener type situation. Okay. Okay. I'm fair with that. Give him two innings, and I mean, Sammy Long is warming up <laughs> like three pitches yes. into the game. Yes. And, and then they can take a look and start there baby steps you can pass that test maybe you get another test if you keep passing tests 
okay. But if not, if you fail those tests right out of the gate, what do you do? I mean, I just mentioned these seven guys who are coming back. There's no question about the roster spot for any of those seven. Where are they going to find the space if they're holding on to someone that they won't put into games that matter? And if you just look at like the guy that you were talking about who was optioned down, Marte, I actually like Marte. I, yeah. I don't know where he's at right now in terms of, but I think he plays a role down the stretch if somebody's arm goes down. The other guy that they optioned, Castro, we saw a little bit last year. I'm really high on Castro. I'm probably higher on Castro than than most people are. I love the big pudgy guy coming out of the bullpen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably leaning with those two long-term over BD anyway. It, it does feel like he's the odd man out. Couple other names to throw out there, and I, I wonder where we're at. Um, I, I mean, I don't know with all that, all those left handed bats that are coming back, right? We just yes, said it. Belt, Gaz, yes. Wade, uh, La Stella, they're all coming back. How do you hold on to Luis Gonzalez? Uh, but I like this guy. I know. I like this guy in a number of levels. He's hitting the ball both ways, he's got pop, he's got athleticism, he plays well in the outfield. Threw somebody I, out. You know, listen, I know that uh, no different than Elliot Ramos earlier this year, sending someone down doesn't mean they're not going to be right back. Yeah. So that's kind of the way the cookie crumbles. But I'd hate to see this guy get sent out. He's been one of their most productive guys over the last week and a half. I'm 100% with you. And he can play multiple positions like center field specifically if if need be. I I like him a lot. If you said to me, Joe, you got to pick between him and, and Duggar, I'm I'm keeping Luis Gonzalez right now. Like if it's just those two, if I'm just going those two up against each other, even though I know it's more complicated than that. Like I, I think you got to find a spot for him. I, to me, he has to stay on this team because he's been an injection of joy on an otherwise mundane lineup. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then I know this isn't going to do anything for anybody, mm. but I made this statement before the year started and I'm going to stick by it. Luke Williams is going to matter at some point this year. So- I like this guy. Um, It's been a very, very small sample, but he's another classic Farhan player. Um, He's somebody who can play multiple positions around the diamond. Um, I I think he's got an interesting stick, you know, like, I mean, he's, Mm -hmm. he's, he he had a huge hit earlier this year, won a game for the giants. um, And he's a really good story. I think uh, a, a positive presence in that clubhouse. I don't know where you put him right now. And I have no doubt that when all these guys come back, he's getting sent down but it's a name to keep an eye on and an ear out for because I do think he's going to be back and I think there's going to be a role for him this year. So if you had to give Gabe Kapler the most optionality, I don't even know if that's a word, but optionality off the bench, wouldn't you lean Luke Williams over, let's just say, Vossler? Like Vossler to me seems very limited and I like Vossler. I think he's had a couple of nice moments, but to me, Luke Williams is the kind of guy coming off the bench in late game situations. Not only can he give you more speed, but he can play like four different positions. And that is kind of what you need, especially with this roster crunch. Well, and Vossler is interesting though, because we know why he's there for a couple of reasons. And and he's another candidate, by the right? way, I would imagine yeah. uh, with all the left-handed hitters coming back. I have a hard time believing it, especially if Longo's one of them. This applies to both Luke Williams and Boston yeah. because they can both play third base. And when Longo comes back, do you really need that anymore? But yeah, Vossler's there right now because A, he's left-handed, and B, he hits the long ball. And and, and this is the way the Giants get their business done. They value you know? that. Uh, sure. And, and, and by the way, again, that record-setting home run hitting team last year, 
and you look at this year and you're like, boy, they're not as prolific hitting home runs. Same thing. They are four home runs behind their 2021 pace right, right now. I'm telling you, and by the way, uh, we, we're feeling it right now, no matter where you are, if you're in the Bay Area. The weather is warming up, mm-hmm. and, and so the ball is going to start flying a lot more at Oracle Park, I have no doubt. But that's why they they value Vossler, and I think he's got a little bit more power pop okay. than, uh, than Luke Williams does. But, you know, to me, I, I, that probably just settles down in, in terms of what side of the uh, batter's box do you need someone in that yeah. moment? If Longo's coming back, then Vossler is is a little bit more valuable in this moment than Luke Williams. Mm-hmm. I just have a gut feeling about Luke Williams, and I think there are going to be yeah. some moments this year. Well, especially, we just don't know where LaStella's at. Like, they're going to need somebody else at second base at times. So, I, there's so many question marks on the LaStella injury. I, I feel like it's been stuck in quicksand for so long. I have no idea when this guy's coming back. Well, another tiny little trade that was made uh, late uh, late Saturday and into early Sunday, and another second baseman, yeah. left-handed hitter. No one, he, I mean, he's not hit the ball very well at the professional level in a very, very small sample. But when I saw that, I did immediately think, right, is, is something going on with LaStella that we don't necessarily know about? Because it's been herky-jerky uh, from the moment he got to spring training. Yeah, and it feels like last year that Achilles was just hanging by a thread. And they've got this – they're kind of snake bit with second basements. They squeeze the lemon out of somebody at the end of their career in the final two months of a season, and then that guy just cannot produce the very next year. Freddie Sanchez, Marco Scudero, now you get it with with Tommy LaStella over the last decade. I, it To me, that did signal that Tommy LaStella is probably going back on a 30- or 60-day I.L. Yeah, Isan Diaz, by the way, is the name of the uh, the acquisition from the Marlins, and uh, it's become kind of the phrase for uh, for Farhan Zaidi, "No move too small." <laughs> yes, uh, but I mean, there there cash considerations has been busy this week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's good to see we got revenue going that they can actually spend some money. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, these uh, these are all players right now uh, on the roster crunch. And, uh, and, and I don't think any of them are going to be feeling real safe Mm-mm. with their spot on the roster, but it also, it underscores what we were talking about earlier. You know, the giants to have a two and three homestand. It's not great. The A's and nationals are teams. They should beat the nationals, especially with two of the games, you know, they're scoring double digit runs. I mean, the giants are, they're, they're better than that. However, look at, look at the roster right I mean, now. Look at I the mean, honestly, look at the roster and, and and the most diehard Giants fan is like, who? Yeah. And who? And who? I mean, Jason Krizan on the roster, Luke Williams, Luis Gonzalez, Jason Vossler, Mike Ford, um, D- Dubon still there. Go to the uh, go to the, uh, the the pitching staff. You've got Junior Marte, Mauricio Lovera is on the roster. It's a bunch of guys none of us have ever heard of. I mean, Mark, your right. kids play video games, right? They play Absolutely. MLB The Show. Yep. Yeah, we call this simulate to end, meaning you see this lineup out there because everyone's hurt or whatever, and you simulate that game to end. These are the ones you don't play. Unfortunately, the Giants had to play them over the last three days. It just stinks. I mean, it's just a they're in a crummy spot here with the COVID stuff. Speaking of things that stink, and we'll get to the state of the Giant-Dodger rivalry as that thing all gets started, 2022 version for the year gets started uh, this week and, and Tuesday, Wednesday, a quick two-game series. 
Uh, but the Dodgers, to a degree, were on a lot of people's minds this year. And I got to get this off my chest. And there's only one way to do it. And I do not want to ever be the anti-fun guy. Uh, but people need to understand because it hurt my heart on Friday night. Trailing 13 to four, that's bad enough. But doing the wave at Oracle Park, where it was widely accepted by a large <laughs> portion of the fan base and then was done for a, a, a period of time, I, I, was, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. And that may come off as snooty. It may come off as anti-fun. <laughs> it may come off as making a big deal about something that's not really a big deal. And in the final analysis, it's not. They're fans. They paid their damn money. They can do whatever they want. But it kills me because it is such a neon sign that a you don't really understand <laughs> what's going on in the ball game. You don't. You're you're bored. You're 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 just sending out a. I'm bored. Baseball doesn't really keep my attention. And if your response is, well, yeah, Mark, it's 13 to four. I'm going to say, then take that opportunity to show your kids something else that's on the baseball field or go get some damn garlic fries. Take a walk. It's a beautiful weekend. Go look at the water. Do not disrespect the ball players by doing the wave. Do not disrespect the tradition of San Francisco baseball. And don't act like a Dodger fan. We don't do that here. Period. All right. So what is that the genesis of the anger? Is it because the Dodgers kind of because when I think of the wave, I think of Southern California, but it's not just the wave. You got to have the beach ball, too. Right. Like yes. to me, they go. They're synonymous. They go hand in hand. Absolutely. And what does the beach ball signify when you're, you're <laughs> botting that thing around out there in right field? Carelessness. It, it, it signifies that you're bored. Yes. And that you don't you don't actually have an appreciation for what's happening out there in front of you at the field. I mean, honestly, take this to other sports. What would if, if, if we're doing the wave at a warrior game, you're doing the wave. At a 49er game. They did it at a Niner game. I couldn't believe it. I sat there, okay? The wave was happening, and it was the first time I've been in a stadium where it was like a good wave. I couldn't believe it. And I was following it all around, and my wife goes, we're going to do this, right? I go, no, I'm not going to no. do this. And I stood, uh, you know, sat in my seat. She stood up and did the wave, and I was like, oh, God, I've lost this war. I mean, I mean I, look, I just I don't know what to say. I'm with you, though. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Yeah. It's so, so cow to me. I, I, I just want to know what's appropriate for the guy next to you. Like, if you are anti-wave, what's what's appropriate? Can you give a little shoulder bump to the person next to you? Can you accidentally step on their foot? I don't want to hurt anybody, but come on. It's one of those moments where I'm like, do I need a loudspeaker? Do I need to go get Rennell? Do we need to have a conversation so you people can understand? You're stepping on the toes of every Giants fan when you're doing stuff like that. Come on. We're better than that. And we are. And here's the thing. Like, the terrain should not give us a wave-like atmosphere. It's cold. It's windy. It's blustery. You're not in hurly shorts and flip-flops. Like, this is San Francisco on the water, China Basin. I, I don't understand what prompts it. I, I never understood it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to participate. If everyone else wants to do it, though, I'm not as mad at it as you are. I will be the curmudgeon old guy that'll sit there, arms folded, and just oh, yeah. not. They just totally shaking my head, like nah, I don't get it. No, I'll, I'll spit. I'll do it with a smile because again, this is not about anti-fun. <laughs> but if you're going to go to a baseball game, 
respect the baseball game. So okay? now I have to ask you. No, now I have to ask you. If your kid catches a home run, forget the Dodgers. Let's say it's the Nationals this weekend. Your kid yeah. catches a home run, catches a foul ball, whatever. Do you, a home run specific? Do you have to throw it back? No, have to. No, no. So you're because okay with that? Yeah, because it's Wrigley Field's tradition. Number one. Okay. And number two, it's a it, it's it's a kid and a baseball. I mean, most kids dream about that and totally never agree. have that chance. If you catch that ball, go put that thing <laughs> in your room. Go put it under your bed. Go do whatever you want to do with it. The wave to me, again, just look at entertainment venues. If you went to a concert and you just turned your back and started like not even – if you went to a comedy You're club, at the Fillmore. Right? You're you at think, the Fillmore. The Steve doing Miller comedy. Band. Oh, wow. <laughs> Like, I mean, what, what are we doing? Pay attention to what's happening out here. They're trying to entertain uh, you for crying out it, loud. It's the new Batman. You're two and a half hours in. You get a little bored and let's bust the wave out at the AMC. Oh, it's so brutal. All right. <laughs> Remember, you're listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you are subscribed and share the podcast with your friends too and share with them that they can't do the wave. Uh, Dodgers and Giants, here we go. Um, never forget what this looked like when the two started their head-to-head matchups last year. Uh, the Giants lost the first four games against the Dodgers. And as the Giants started off with a nice record and they looked like, right, this team that was going to be surprising, the Dodger games put them in their place. And everyone mm. was like, oh, see, it's not actually a good team. It's just a team that like, can beat up on bad teams, but it's not good enough to compete with good teams. And then what was it? A, a, you know, four losses in, they snapped their fingers, hit the Dodgers back with four wins right back in their face, and it was on, and it was unbelievable rivalry all year long. I really want this year. I want the continuation slash solidification of where this rivalry is because it's it's fantastic it's so high level it's these two teams that are battling with different styles la and the flashy stars against the giants and their brainy analytics and it's been so head-to-head so even steven uh both this year and and last and it took that budding padre dodger rivalry off of all the mm-hmm. ESPN headlines and stuck it right back where it belongs. And so I really want some good stuff to come out of this year's version. I think it's it's important to kind of solidify what we saw last year. Well, what's interesting from a Giants fan perspective, they still have Kershaw and Bellinger and Turner and they added Freeman and yeah, you lose Seager. But to me, like losing Jansen, that's a big element too. I think that's a big element. He was a thorn in the Giants' side. We only really got him that one time when Buster hit that yak off of him, right? Like, that's that's very, very few and far between were the Giants' successes against Jansen. So not having him as one of the main antagonists, that that's, that's going to hurt me. Like, I miss him for the rivalry. And I'm curious how Dodger fans are going to respond to the absence of Buster Posey. I mean, he is the ultimate winner during their great run of that NL West. Like, they didn't win a World Series. Uh, You know, obviously, the little Mickey Mouse ring that they got. This guy won three, you know? And I remember sitting there, game five, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Jansen versus Buster, Hall of Famer versus Hall of Famer, Dodgers, Giants, game five. I'm just – 
taking him away, does that take away some of the, you know, just some of the star power? Um, I, I mean, look, the Dodgers are certainly not short on star power, but I will give you that uh, it just, it takes something away because the traditional end of a Dodger giant game in the ninth inning, if the Dodgers are in the lead, it's Kenley Jansen and the, and, and the Giants had some very memorable Kenley Jansen moments, of course, last year. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that will be gone. So when key figures are not there, there's no Buster, there's no Jansen. Buster actually had a lot of success against Jansen. There were some key hits last year. I remember him pinch hitting Down and getting a hit off Jansen yeah. in, a, in a ninth inning. So yeah, there's some key figures uh, who are gone, but, but obviously look, the giants right now, it's so turn and burn. It's new faces every single night. It's hard to kind of get that tradition going. Um, but I tell you what, plenty of familiar faces with the Dodgers and interesting. Now, remember where we were last year when the Giants and Dodgers started playing against one another. Max Muncy, they couldn't get him out. Oh, my they God. Couldn't, they couldn't even keep him in the ballpark. I was saying they should just walk him every time he comes up. I was right. dead serious on that. Well, have you peeped what he's doing so far this year? This cat is hitting 136. Okay, <laughs> there is some struggling. And again, similar to what we're saying about the Giants, we're like, gosh, they're 14 and 8. Who's playing well? Well, here's what's scary about the Dodgers. They're 14 and 7. Justin Turner's hitting 197. Yeah. Bellinger's doing his thing again, 205. Yeah. Muncy's hitting 136. Mookie Betts is hitting 230. Now, Freddie Freeman, he's playing really well. Chris Taylor's hitting the ball. Trey yeah. Turner's doing his Turner's thing. Turner's a stud. And Kershaw has been great. He looks like fountain, yeah. of the, fountain of Youth. But they got four big hitters who are not hitting, and they're still winning two of every three ball games. Yeah, and their guy, Walker Bueller, I think he's the only guy to have a complete game this year in, in Major League Baseball. That happened, I believe, last week. So, yeah, it's just <sighs> – this is the thing, though. I don't even care what their records are. It's Giants-Dodgers, and yeah. we're, we're in the first week of May. Like, sign me up for this. This is what I live for. That Dodger blue, Giants black and orange. Like, let's do this. So I'm fired up for it. And I do think that these two teams, what makes it sweet, the run differential was nearly identical last year. The amount of wins. I mean, it came down to a game five. They were so split right down the middle. For as star-studded as they are, for as high as that payroll is, the Giants were right there with them. And we, and I can't even, like, explain it. I mean, Mark, it defies logic. So I, I think that the Dodgers actually bring the best out of the Giants and vice versa. So I'm here for all of this. And, and we got a guy like Mike Talkman out of nowhere coming up having one of the greatest plays in San Francisco Giants history, yeah. right? Like, you're going to remember. I say Mike Talkman. You're going to remember what you were doing, where you were at when that play happened. And that's something that very few matchups in sports give you. This rivalry gives you those kind of moments. Well, and we're entering a new person into this rivalry right away. And I, I'm really curious to watch Rodon against Urias yes. on Tuesday night because the two of them are not only two of the best lefties in the National League, they are two of the most intense and excitable mm -hmm. left-handers in the National League. Rodon brings an attitude to his starts that we have not seen from a giant starting pitcher in a long time. Maybe you could say uh, in a very different way that Bumgarner had that kind of like attitude on the mound, but Rodon has such an intense flair to him. I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost concerned to inject him into this rivalry. Like, that's going to be one hell of an atmosphere on Tuesday night. 
he's going to have to find a way to kind of control his emotions. You know, it's funny you bring up uh, Urias. He is, in a weird way, he's a very different player, but the high leg kick, the lefty, he reminds me a lot of Andy Pettit because he kind of flies under the radar, and you're like, oh, no, he's really good too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep, Walker yep. Bueller and Kershaw, those are your headliners. Urias was amazing last year and was great in that game five, even though he didn't start the game. He came in in, like, whatever, the second or third inning. I mean, he was outstanding. This is a great matchup, and I can't wait to see it. And Rodon, you want to talk about endearing yourself to Giants fans? Do it against the Dodgers, and you become a legend. Well, and they got Alex Wood going in the second game. You hope he rebounds from his Mm -hmm. Friday night start. He's going against his old club. He was due for a couple of – you know, he's been so good. He wasn't terrible by any stretch. Yeah. um, you know, he's been good uh, outside of that, and, and I'm sure he'll want to have his best going against his old club. Dodgers at this point have not announced a starter um, for uh, for that game. So the Giants, are they're missing Bueller. They're missing Kershaw. How important do you think at least a split of oh. this series is? To me, psychologically, it's huge, especially given where the team's at right now. Like You're playing with house money with all of these guys out. If you could take uh, you know, at least one of these games from the Dodgers, to me, that's, that's big. That's big early on, and that's the one I want. I want the Rodon start because I want him to be able to cement himself right into the middle of this freaking rivalry. I, I just, to me, this, this, this Tuesday night game is massive. I, I, massive games in May, but that's where I'm right. at with this team. Well, and I, I do think it's, it's a slot and and maybe this is a, a bigger picture. Good thing. Mm-hmm. Remember last year uh, when the giants were winning early and then they lost four to the Dodgers and everyone was like, see, see, it was just, just a bad schedule. Yeah. The giants were just mopping up on a weak schedule, which is kind of a funny thing to say in baseball, but you can't say that this year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've had their six games against the nationals and, you know, I don't really know what to make yet of the Cleveland Guardians, but Miami is one of the better teams in the National League. The Padres, they've already had four against the Mets. They had that one game in Milwaukee, played really well. Listen to what May is going to offer the Giants just in terms of schedule. Yeah. yeah, it's two against the Dodgers. You've got a home-and-home home covering seven games against the Cardinals, who always play well against the Giants. Yep. Uh, Colorado's coming. Surprisingly good this year. Surprisingly good. Early. But they never play well in San Francisco. Yes. But we know the house of horrors that Denver yes. can be. Yes. And so after the Dodgers, it goes Cardinals, Rockies, Cardinals, Rockies. And then you get the Padres and the Mets coming on a homestand. Uh, to uh, to almost close out May, they do get Cincinnati, roadie to Cincinnati and Philadelphia before the month is up. But man, a lot of those teams that you look forward to playing, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, um, you know, whatever you're going to get, Pittsburgh, they're getting that it, it, it late and in the mm-hmm. second half of the season. So maybe that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, the Giants are going to have to be uh, and that's why this health is so important. They're going to have to get themselves their, 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 be their best selves in this month of May because the schedule is going to throw a lot at them. If I could give you one name or I could ask from you one name that you would like to see bust out this week that, that, that can really help the Giants and make you feel encouraged moving forward, who would that name be for you? I mean, I, right now I feel like it's Darren Ruff. I, I cannot believe we're in May and he hasn't hit a home run yet. It's and crazy. I, right. I know that. And gosh, what a weird conversation to be having because two years ago, this guy was, you know, Johnny spring training and we're like, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, who, this guy from Korea, 
Like, what are you talking about? He looks like a beer league softball player. This guy's not going to actually stick. And he turned into low key, one of the best hitters in the national league last yeah. year. And when lefties were throwing, man, he was unbelievable. Well, they've faced almost no lefties, but here we go. Julio Urias, yep. Tuesday night. I, I got to imagine, you know, more lefties are going to get thrown at them. Colorado has some. They're going to be facing uh, them, you know, six times here in the month of May. Um, Darren Ruff is a middle-of-the-order guy for this team and so far has not hit like one. Encouraging weekend. That's the guy I want to see drive the boat in the middle of the order here for the next week or two. Okay. Since you took him off the board, I'm going to go with Crawford. All it takes for Crawford is one game. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's in a two week groove. We've all seen it before. So I'm looking for Brandon Crawford and against the Dodgers, he always brings the leather. So I'm ready to see him flash a little leather, step up, hit a big home run. Let's win. Let's win one of these games. Two, one with a Crawford two run bomb. I mean, wouldn't well, that be fun? I mean, aren't they all two one? I didn't know <laughs> Giants Dodgers games were allowed they to have are. any other score. That's the only other thing I want to say about Rodon and Urias <laughs> bet the under a hundred percent. If, if, if somebody gets to four runs in that game, I'll be shocked. Me, I, me as well. Me as well. I'm so ready for it, though, even though it's like a month in. I know it's too early. No, no, no. It's perfect timing. This is exactly yeah. when I wanted them. Yeah, and and it's going to be like great musical artists. They're going to leave you wanting a little more. Yes. Quick two-game set. The set, yeah. And then just boop right yeah. back out of town. And I hate oh. the Cardinals right after them. So let's do this. Like, I'm, I'm here. I can't stand the Cardinals. Yeah, it's a hell of a week. Here we go. Uh, great stuff, and uh, we'll be with you again. Episodes every Thursday and Sunday throughout the entire season for Joe Shasky, Mark Willard. This has been the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Make sure you are subscribed so you do not miss any episodes all year long.